0: Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at joshua__stamper. Well, I'm so excited to be on the show with a friend of the podcast, someone who's actually been on with myself and Jeff Gargas for the Aspire Mailbags, and that is Lindsay Titus. She is an amazing educator and leader, and I Can't wait to dive into a bunch of different topics. She's actually going through her admin certificate program right now. So, we're going to give a little glimpse of what that world looks like for those who are looking to get into leadership and potentially administration. But before we do that, Lindsay, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Josh, for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yes, I can't wait to. Have you back on and for you to speak on behavior and mental wellness but before we do that will you just share with the listeners your educational and leadership journey
1: absolutely so i always preface this by saying i have one of the more unconventional routes through education but it's one of those routes that i wouldn't change for the world i'm so proud of it um, i have learned so much from it it has been about 15 years so i actually just yesterday finished my 15th year in education And uh, it has been a journey. So I started out in the classroom, started out as a kindergarten through second grade, self-contained special education teacher. And I did that for about five years, but about three years in, I, I realized something. I realized I was coming home and I was spending time doing all the things that teachers do after school, but I really wasn't, it wasn't about the academics. It was more about the behaviors that I was seeing in my classroom. I was so fascinated and curious why, what's going on why is why does this student respond that way and this student responds that way and what is autism and what is emotional disturbance and, and all of these things and i was and i was loving all the information so i went back to school and i became a board certified behavior analyst it was about a 15 month program and i finally was like yes this is the information that that i had been missing And so I realized, though, over those next couple of years teaching that my passion just wasn't there, that I loved education. I I knew education was the career path for me, but I hadn't found the position. And so over the next 10 years, I've been on that journey to find what that position is and and continue, you know, and I continue to evolve as as I personally evolve. So I've worked for a residential center where there's a home and a school. So students lived there and went to school. I work for a non-for-profit that was actually, it was was babies. It was EI all the way through 21 years old. So I worked there for about four years. I also did in-home ABA therapy, which I loved. It got me to really connect with parents and really understand that home to school collaboration. And I just wrapped up year three as a public school K-12 behavior specialist. As I, as you mentioned, as I'm doing my admin certification, which is really, my hope is to be the next part of my journey. But for right now, I love what I'm doing as a behavior specialist and all that I get to serve within the current school district that I work for.
0: So Lindsay, you've done a lot of different things. So what led you to get into the admin certificate program?
1: Yeah, so it's, i would say part of it is the last year. <laughs> part of it is, is just honestly the logistical aspect of having a little bit of extra time on my hands. But it actually started a few years ago. It has been one of those, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say bucket list items because so I don't think it's that, but it's been there. It has been something that's been on my mind, something I've been thinking about, but just never felt the timing was right. And the reason for that is I truly am, without sounding cliche, a lifelong learner. I want to keep learning. And that was really what this program was about for me, is I wanted to learn more specifically about the ins and outs, yes, of school, but also of how do I show up as a leader, because what I realized really quickly is I was holding on to this, I'll be a leader when kind of mindset. And within the first two weeks of class, my very first class, which was, I don't remember the title, it was like leadership, like 101, basically. I was like, wait a second, I already am a leader and now I'm strengthening my abilities. Now I'm going to learn and grow. And so I, last May, I decided, actually a little bit before that, decided, you know what, I'm home, (laughs) I've got some time, it feels right, let's do it. And so I applied to one of our local schools, I was accepted and I started the coursework in May and I will finish in August. It has turned out to be all virtual because that is the life right now. It helped me immensely even this year, learning just more about myself, about leadership in general and how to really connect with staff, especially as that's a huge part of what I do as a behavior specialist right now.
0: So what does that program entail? I mean, I know a lot of folks, they think about becoming an administrator someday, but they're kind of on the fence because they don't know what the coursework looks like or what the expectations is for a student in a master's program. So do you feel like it was overwhelming? Did you feel like the experiences that you were getting were helpful to build you as a leader?
1: I do. Yeah. So here in New York where I am, it's a, it's a certification program. And so the nice part is, so if you don't yet have your master's, there is a master's plus the certification for me, I do have my master's in special ed. And so it was just, just, it was getting this, this additional certification. So for me, it was, it's seven classes. I took them pretty spread out. So there's summer sessions, there's fall and spring semester. Uh, over the summer, that was a little bit more intense. It's six weeks. you go you know about six hours a week and you get that class done. So a little bit more on a, on a time parameter, but you had you had a little bit more time being that it was summer. During the school year, I took one course each semester. And, you know, I really, it was really doable to me. And this is someone I do, I do a lot of things and, you know, and I think what made it doable in all honesty was that it was applicable. My professors did a really great job of the projects that we were working on were real. (laughs) They were go to your district and find something, you know, find whatever class it was. So if it was human resources, go meet with your supervisor about staffing and understanding teacher retention and process. So it was very much applicable. It wasn't busy work or something extra that didn't relate to what I was doing. And then this past semester, really starting in January to now, I'll be finishing in a couple of weeks, has been my internship. Mm-hmm. So on top of class, I've also been interning with two, um, a district leader and a building leader in my district to obtain those hours because I'll be certified once I'm finished in both. So it really opens up the possibility of what leadership role I apply for and ultimately can get accepted into.
0: Yeah, definitely in Texas, we do the internship process also. So you get to kind of shadow and do some additional leadership tasks and experience a little bit behind the scenes. So was there something that you were able to participate in that you felt like really enhanced your leadership development?
1: So I think the biggest thing, so I was able to, is to uh, supervise with our coordinator of our special ed department, who's, who's actually my boss. <laughs> yeah. And then I also was able to work with a principal at one of our junior high schools. And so I think both of them had very much eye-opening experiences for me for two different, very different reasons. Within the special ed department, I work in that department each and every day, but what I was able to do is I was able to learn a lot more about the regulations. I was able to learn a lot more about the why behind the decisions. I always saw our leaders making. I was able to know, oh, that's why. And I will say my, my, my leadership, they are very transparent. They're very open. But there's just not enough time in the day for them to explain every single decision or everything. Well, I got to see still not everything, but a whole lot more. And so I understood that. I also got to just participate again in those behind the scenes processes, staffing, numbers, all of those things that my analytic brain loves. I love seeing those pieces come together. On the flip side, in the building, because it's been about 10 years since I've been in one building. So I currently work among 10. So I am a district employee. So I go among 10 buildings. Being able to spend some really solid time in one building. I was able to feel, see, enhance the climate and the culture which is so essential right from that leadership role that I I really had been missing because I'm not I'm not a part of one building. And so just being able to participate in their weekly uh, we had Wednesdays remote this year and so there was weekly PD. So being able to plan and participate in that part of the administrative team really helped to solidify everything you read about, about why culture is so important, community and climate and all these things. I was actually able to experience it and see it firsthand. And I think for me, it was, it was that bridge that really was able to solidify. Here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm seeing. And here's how they connect, which is so, I think, incredibly important as we're growing as, as any educator that's out there.
0: Yeah. I can't wait for you to finish and to become an administrator because I know you're going to do some phenomenal things on the campus and district level. So I want to kind of go backwards a little bit because you had stated that you are a behavior specialist and that looks very different between campus district and state. You said that you were within the special ed realm, but I was just curious if you wouldn't mind just kind of outlining what that job entails.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in, in again, in our district, it's a it's a teacher on special assignment position. And so I'm hired as a special education teacher uh, with my expertise in behavior. And so I really do focus on behavior. But the challenge with that is everything is behavior, <laughs> everything that we do. Right. So our position, there's two of us at the district, and we work with all students. So uh, even though my position is housed within the special education department, I do work with general education students and staff. The best way to explain the role is it's really a consultant type model. So which means each of our schools, we have 10 schools, each of our schools has a school hub, has a school psychologist, social worker, obviously the teachers and admin, Um, some of our schools have counselors, So they are the the first, right? They're the the team. But what happens is if that team is challenged by by a student, by a student's behavior, and that, again, could come from a lens of academic, of social-emotional, of both, then they reach out to me. And I come in having the, the experience and the expertise in behavior analysis to ask those guiding questions, to help understand, to help highlight some things that maybe the team isn't seeing. And then to train on these different principles of behavior so that we're able to connect, you know, re-engage, teach those skills, understand the whole child so that we understand what the behavior is telling us. And we know how to make those environmental, academic, proactive changes that we can to help the student be successful as well as the staff. Mm -hmm. So part of what I love the most is I get to work with everybody. I work with students. Primarily, I work with staff. Um, I also get to work with parents and administrators. And so really no two days ever look alike. Some days I'm working with a kindergartner and then a senior, but it really is helping to solidify, you know, tier one, two, and three supports at each level for, for any student that might need it. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash now let's get back to the episode.
0: Like you said, you go into the settings you're working with the teachers. What are some of your favorite techniques that you use with students? Behavior obviously is always a, a big topic with educators because like you said, it's it impacts everything and it is a language. It, it is telling us something. What are some of your favorites you know techniques that you like to use with students or maybe something that you teach other teachers?
1: Yeah, so my my go-to is I hear what they're saying, not how they're saying it. That was something I learned from one of my mentors, Brian Mendler, who the first time I heard that, who's actually one of my college professors, the first time I heard that, I was like, that's it. That makes sense. Now, it took me a little bit to put it into practice (laughs) because it can be hard. If someone's swearing at me, it can be really hard to not take that personally, but to me, whether I'm working with a five-year-old or whether I'm working with an 18-year-old, I've got to listen to the emotion behind the words. I've got to be, I've got to listen to what's not being said or read between the lines so that I can then stay calm and present. Because to me, we, we know the sayings, right? An escalated adult cannot de-escalate a child. We know that. But the number one question I then get is, okay, Lindsay, but how do I not get escalated? And to me, you don't get escalated when you hear what, not how. So I don't hear the swear word, I hear something's not right, please help me. And so whatever is being said or done, right? Ripping up the paper, running around the classroom, I stay real with the student and I'm very upfront with them. Hey, it looks like math is not happening today. Is that true? And they can, yeah, it's not happening, I'm not doing it. Okay, so what are we gonna do? (laughs) Because I'm here, you're here. Let's make the best of it. The second question I get is, yeah, but then they just got out of math. (laughs) And so then it follows back with, they did for this moment, but this moment is not forever. This moment is this moment I'm connecting and nine times out of 10, we will get to the math, but this is more important for that student. So I think above everything, it's seeing the kid and hearing, you know, what's going on instead of focusing so much on the behavior that they're displaying, either physically or verbally.
0: So it seems like not engaging into a power struggle.
1: Yep. I would say the best way to get out of a power struggle is not get in one in the first place. Yep. And so being able to recognize, oh, I'm going there. And I and I teach teachers to say that, hey, you and I right now, we're arguing, we're having a power struggle, call it what it is. Some of our younger kids, I'll, I'll call it, we're playing tug of war right now. We're not going to get what we need out of this. Kids are smart. They will pick up on that. And so if we are modeling it and it's okay to say, let's take some time right now. But until, if we don't recognize that, if we're not aware, we're going to go into that power struggle. And then you're, you're ultimately in it to win it. And honestly, if that's our mindset, nobody's going to win. You know, I think that's the scary part of when we lose that presence, when we lose that ability to stay calm and focused, is we forget that. We forget that there's some type of stress response in that student. And therefore, as the adult, if I'm stressed too, man, we are not going to calm each other down. We're just going to keep fueling each other's fires. And so it's so important to be, you know, to, to kind of slow down and really pause to understand how am I feeling so that I know when I know how I'm feeling, I can better... Uh, align to how the student is feeling and help them
0: Lindsay and that's a great segue because you know obviously in an educator's life stress is very prevalent and I've heard you speak especially on the 12-hour lives with the teach better team about mindfulness about calmness about reflection so for our educators wherever they are within their journey what are some techniques that you like to use to help your mental health
1: Yeah, I preface it by saying the reason that I I am where I am now is because I I was that educator 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I I was the educator that worked all day, did not sleep, that, you know, weekend, they didn't exist because I was working all the time. And when I was working, I was wishing I wasn't working. And when I wasn't working, I was thinking about working. I had no sense of any type of boundary. And I went through my own journey about five years ago and really started to look in, to look within myself. And that's what's made all the difference. And ultimately, when I share strategies, they're never that complicated because I want them to be simple and easy. So the first is anchoring into gratitude. So my journey started with three minutes of gratitude. And, you know, a lot of people say, does it really make a difference? And all I know is, I guess there's research out there, but for me, yeah, it it made all the difference. That is what got me to where I am today. And it literally looked like setting my alarm clock for three minutes earlier and laying in bed, just spewing out things that I was grateful for that now turned into, I do that anytime I start to have that stress response. So for me, it's in my shoulders. I can feel them tighten. I immediately go to gratitude. I am grateful for this. And I just list off pieces. Other things I do is I have energy check-ins. So on my phone, I have timers set throughout the day. They are strategically placed so that it's not going off in the middle of a meeting or something like that. Generally, one is right before I walk into work and one is right after work. Um, I will put one also when I'm going to take lunch that day you could do more, you could do less, you do what works for you. All it is is a 30 second check-in, how am I doing? And the notion of that is so that you don't get home at five o'clock and realize, man, I'm exhausted. If you know you're exhausted at 12 on your at lunch, you can have that cold drink of water, you can do some jumping jacks, you can do your journaling or reflecting to get yourself energized. The last one, it kind of is aligned with that is know what activities, and again, we teach this to our students, but we forget to use it for ourselves. Know what activities work for you to either energize you or calm you down. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to them. So for me, I know what I just mentioned, doing jumping jacks, dancing, drinking cold water, those energize me. I know that about myself. To calm myself down, I go to gratitude, reflecting, and sometimes just sitting in silence to a guided meditation. So I know those work for me. So when I'm attuned with how I'm feeling, I can use them. And they all take less than three minutes. They are quick. They are simple. But man, they get you reconnected to the present moment. And, and to me, then, then you're ready to move forward. Then you're ready to keep your momentum moving forward.
0: And so they probably could do some reflection and some gratitude journaling in your journal. they could let's talk about that so you've got the define university 30-day journal igniting the passion for your life and we're actually going to give do a giveaway i've got it in my hands right now i'm going to give one book or journal i should say away to one of my listeners and stay tuned for directions on that but Lindsay, will you just talk through this amazing little journal that you've got here
1: yeah, absolutely. So there's a 30-day and a 90-day version. And the reason for that is I wanted it to be doable. I wanted this to be something I can commit to something for 30 days. Mm-hmm. I can do 90 days because I believe when you do that, and it becomes daily. Now it's going to be habit. Starting even before then, though, was so about two years ago, I started doing Instagram stories. They were like the newer thing at the time. And I had this long-term goal then about being a speaker and wanting to speak and wanting to show my, show up and, and share my voice, but I was scared and I didn't know how to do it. So to me, stories were a really great starting place. So I started every day just showing up, doing some kind of inspiration morning message. And that continues now where I still do them Monday through Friday. But I realized after a while, I'm like, this would be really cool in written form. So I started to go back. Luckily, there's the archive option. I would go back and I watched them and I would type out messages I was sharing. I said, this would be really cool as a journal. So one step led to the next. And so I pulled in everything that to me is so important in a reflective piece. But I think what often gets lost in reflection is people think they're going to do it wrong. How do I reflect the right way? Is a question I get all the time. I said, there is no right way. But a guided, if you're not sure on how to start and it's too open-ended, guided journaling can be the way to go, which is what this journal is. It's a guided journal, which means there's questions. Every day has the same questions, but your responses will change based on your interpretation of the daily dose of inspiration, based on what's going on. So there's a little poem, a little, again, daily dose for you. There's mirror moments, which are your affirmation statements. There's a gratitude section and celebration because I believe in those wholeheartedly start your day and end your day celebrating you. And then there's just t- opportunities to reflect. There's a part about how do you feel? Cause that's so, so important to your growth. And then the one question I love the most and it's the one I get the most feedback about is what do you wonder about? Mm-hmm. And because I think as, especially as educators we're so what's the next deadline? What's the next thing? What's the next initiative? We don't let ourselves wonder. We don't let ourselves get curious. And so it is meant for you to wonder, to to think outside the box, to step out there and, and just let your mind wander and wander for a little bit. And then I end each day. I love the bottom part where it's like the three days, three words for the day. I personally do it at night. So I use that journal in the morning and at night, but you can use it anyway. So I know people that start their day and that's what they set their intention. So it can be used for you, um, but it really, for me, was a way to Journaling changed my life. And so, having a tool that could have the potential to do that for others was a no brainer for me.
0: Yeah, it's such an amazing tool. I I love how intentional it is. I am one that I find journaling to be so impactful. However, just to do it on my own is really difficult, but to have a guide is so much more helpful for me personally. So I love what you've created and I can't wait to give this this resource out to one of my lucky listeners here. But let's talk about something that also is called Define University, which is your podcast on the Teach Better podcast network. I love everything that you've been creating with podcasts for some time now. I'm a huge fan. So where did the podcast come from?
1: Yeah. So the podcast came from, it came from, cause I didn't think I could do it. Oh. So what people, <laughs> what people will learn about me is usually anything that you've seen from me from Define University is because it started with a thought of, could I really do that? Sure. Which again is my mind's way of trying to keep me safe, mm-hmm. right? Don't do a podcast. Oh my gosh. Why, why would you do that? Right? Cause it's something different. Yeah. And so as soon as I had this thought of, I don't think I can, The very next thought was, well, then I'm gonna try. And so I had a goal. I had a really simple goal of 10 episodes. 10 episodes, let's just get them out there. And in all honesty, I just wanted to share my story. That's where it started with. I wanted a way I had come so far. Um, You know, I resigned from teaching my fifth year. I didn't make it my fifth year. I left in May and we finished here in New York in June. I wanted to tell that story because for so long, I was ashamed of that story. I felt like I had let everybody down, myself and my students, my staff, my family. And what I learned is I missed the signs way early on. So it got to that point. Yes. But if I had been more aware of me, I might not have gotten to that point. And I, and I share that story. Well, after three episodes I was hooked and my new goal was a year. I wanted to, I'm like, I'm going to podcast for a year and I want to just keep it about that. I wanted sharing tips on mindset on behavior I want to ignite the fire in every educator to learn how to define who they are from the inside out and to stop looking for, to everybody else to do that for them. Because I did that for years. And at the end of the day, the only person who can define you is you. And what I have learned through, we are at episode 74 now is I'm so excited for where it's going. I feel more assured of the mission and the vision of sharing stories, so I love bringing guests on and they tell their story. And then every other week, it's me either going through a reflective practice, showing what I've learned about the week. Sometimes it's simply coffee chat and let's just catch up, um, tell you what's going on in Lindsay's world. Um, Sometimes it's behavior focused, mindset focused, but every episode relates to teaching educators how to define they are, the simple and easy way. Because again, we don't want it to be complex. And I've just loved learning alongside. I love being on the network because I feel like I'm constantly learning new new pieces and new things to think about and consider. And that's what I love about a project like the podcast is it gets to grow as I grow. And I I just think that's a really cool uh, mission to be a part of.
0: Well, you're doing amazing things, Lindsay, on the podcast and in other work. I know you have additional resources. You just had a full day event. Picked off. So I know you've got a lot of things going on. So can you just share with the listeners about, you know, some other resources, And because you do courses and you do coaching also?
1: Yeah, so I am not, I am not that person. You know, there's, there's people out there that's like, do one thing and do it. Well, like, I do all I do lots of things. That's just <laughs> what <laughs> that's what works for me. And so you know, and my whole goal in creating Define University was I really wanted a university type feel meaning there's something for everybody. And so, you know, there are there's the podcast. There's weekly emails where I send out that have a video and some reflective questions. But I also go, you know, completely the other direction and offer one-on-one coaching. And everything in between, I like to say. So there are courses. I have four, six, and 12-week courses. Again, all based on mindset and learning what I consider the things that most educators don't learn in in any school, K-12 or teacher prep. Um, it's really about unpacking your limiting beliefs and what holds you back. We did just have the first day of discovery, which was a full day conference where I got to amplify the voices of 12 amazing educators. And I'm so excited to start planning uh, day of discovery number two. And so so that's really it. Anything from Define University is all about igniting, you know, helping teachers find the relief from the overwhelm and reigniting that passion that lies within you that sometimes we just need that little like boost to get started
0: so lindsay for those who are looking to enhance their leadership journey what are some tips or tricks that you would provide them that they might be able to do tomorrow or next week
1: so i think two things come to mind i think the first is really know i'll I'll go big and break it down know who you are right and that's a really big question I think the one, one way, one of the beginning pieces that I do with with educators is go to what you value. So what is it, you know, and sometimes it's actually easier thinking about what would somebody else say about me. So I go to that, you know, if I, if a group of educators were together and they were talking about, about challenges and problems they were having, if they were talking about, I'm overwhelmed, I don't know who I am, I feel lost, I feel like I don't know who I am, you know those pieces, I would want someone to say, hey, have you thought of Lindsay at Defining University? So when I go backwards then, and I think of values, values to me are being authentic, are being innovative, are having a community, right? are about expansion. So those are things that I value. Well, then as a leader, that is what I embody. Right. So there's this expansion and these values, but then what am I going to embody? And so what does that mean? That means what am I going to live? So I live an authentic lifestyle. What you see is what you get. And so I think, you know, for somebody getting started, it's to simply start considering, journaling, reflecting, what are the things I value most? Because people do amazing work out there. And especially with how connected people are, it's really easy to say, well, I like what they're doing, so I'll do that. But then you are what I, you're in should know, is where I call it, because you're doing something because you think you should, not because it's what's truly meant for you. So knowing who you are is so critical and it's a lifelong process. Yep. But I think if you're considering, in you know, going into leadership or growing as a leader, you've got to know who you are. Otherwise, you're going to link to everybody else's story. The second more maybe too practical is to get really good at asking questions, <laughs> So I was always somebody that I would go into a meeting and I would walk away with the longest to-do list ever because I would take it all on. We would bring up ideas and instead of questioning to say, hey, have we considered this or have we already done this in a different way? I would say, sure, I'll create that for you. Sure, I'll make that for you. And then I would get back to my office and say, wait a second, nobody else left with agenda items except for me. And it's because I wasn't great at asking questions. I wasn't great at enhancing conversation through that. I felt that it was my responsibility to take it all on. Well, that's exhausting, right? That's overwhelming. But by being able to ask those questions, sometimes we find out we've already done that. Or, you know, we have this that we could just tweak. That's only gonna take five minutes. Or it helps to gain clarity. Again, sometimes what you hear is, is what you hear. It's not the full message. So asking questions to gain clarity, to gain understanding, sometimes people just want to be heard and I don't have to fix or solve any problem. I just get to listen, but I have to know the only way I can know how to do that is by asking those questions. So to me, those are the two things that kind of come up first, because I think they're going to help you stay present and stay engaged in the conversation, which as a leader, I think is essential.
0: Lindsay, for those who want to connect with you on social media, or they want to find additional resources on your website or be a part of you know the weekly emails how can they connect with you
1: absolutely so the best place to go is defineuniversity.com which and then university is y-o-u. Everything is on there my social media is linked on there but I'm pretty easy to find on all social media platforms too. I'm pretty um pretty active on all of them and uh I would love to connect. So absolutely get on over to the website or send me a message and um, I can't wait to connect
0: all of those social media links will be in the show notes so you can definitely connect with her her journal will be on there also make sure that you check it out again there's a 30 day or a 90 day journal depending on how long you want to go through that practice but i think it's a huge resource so make sure you check that out Lindsay, you are a wealth of information and i feel like i grow every single time i speak with you and i'm just so appreciative of you being on the aspire podcast
1: oh thanks so much for having me josh